Welcome back, everyone. We are in episode three, part two of the Teacher Takeaway podcast. Today, we have our guest, the wonderful James Gray. Hello. Thank you for joining us again. We've got Aaron Johnston. Hi, everybody. And the beautiful Alice Vigors. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Beck West, and today we are touching base with you all on our inquiry question, how do we establish and maintain positive, proactive, and collaborative relationships with our colleagues? This time we're going to be focusing on those adults that we work with from a very different perspective every single day. From my perspective, I find adults are much harder than kids. What do you guys think? Do you guys think adults harder or easier? Depends on the adult, (laughs) to be honest, (laughs) or the kid that you're referring to. (laughs) What do you think, James? I was going to say it depends on on the day. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's relationships are a difficult thing. And I think adults as well, they're they're the most important relationships. And again, like you said, they can sometimes be the most challenging as well. You can tell that um, everyone we work with has started listening to the podcast when we're very tentative about our answers. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I'm coming from that perspective of, you know, doing this for for 18 years now. And yeah, there's wonderful people that you work with. And then, you know, we just have to deal with the adult life of sometimes not getting along with the people that we work with and having those different perspectives and experiences that we bring to the table every single day. But really, we can't do good things when we don't maintain quality relationships with the people that we work with. And that does not necessarily mean creating friendships with the people that you work with. It just means being able to be professional in the workplace, to be able to do the job really, really well. And sometimes it means forming a bit of a tribe of like-minded people so that you can find where you sit in your niche in the workplace as well. And that's where you can really feel safe about coming out of your comfort zone in the workplace as well. Uh, I'm curious with you guys, I might start with Aaron. I mean, regardless of, of, of what your tribe, you know, sort of makeup is in the workplace, um, are they the people that you sort of feel comfortable stepping out of your comfort zone with and trying something new as a practitioner? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would be honest in saying, you know, no matter how long I've been doing this, I've been, you know, in a leadership role as my sixth year now, I still um, doubt myself a lot and, um, you know, have, I guess, imposter syndrome where it makes it hard. I doubt myself in how I engage with my peers. So it's important to have those people, even for me as a leader that do, um, you know, encourage me and support me and lift me up. And that is one thing that I think leadership can be a bit lonely um, in that regard. Um, I know I spend a lot of my time encouraging my team and building them up, but I do appreciate having those, those people. And I think it's important that we do have those people that we can be, um, you know, that uplift us, but we can also be, um, it's important for us to have people that we can reach out to and debrief with and be honest with and open with, but still be professional if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've hit a key element there about debriefing too, because we're adults, we like to vent, we have hard days sometimes, and it's good to be able to have someone that you can trust that understands you're not going in and necessarily having an unprofessional moment or that you hate your job or anything like that. Sometimes we just need to be able to debrief with someone and touch base on things that happen. Um, James, what about for you? Like, I'm assuming 
that you've got some sort of uh, network or tribe within your workplace that help that helps you either feel uplifted or that there's someone that you can um, have that circle of trust with? Yeah, you know, definitely. I, I feel that um, surrounding yourself, like you were touching on Aaron before, surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals is going to bring yourself, you know, the best best out in yourself. And I think it, it's important that understanding that us as humans and us as adults, we go through a range of different emotions on that day. And it's important to be surrounding yourselves with those like-minded individuals in a, a trusted environment that you can go to and that you know within within that space where you're having that conversation, you know what you say to that person it is between those, you know, that group of colleagues or it might be, you know, the, the one colleague. But it's really important to, to have those safe people or or your tribe or or your close close colleagues that yeah you have that shared communication and understanding because let's face it we all have crap days at school we all have positive days at school but when we have those crap days it is okay to go debrief with that colleague because by going and having that debrief that might then put out the fire because you're able to have that collegial conversation you get it off your chest you get then get feedback on it opposed to then holding it in you then go home your partner or whoever you live with goes Oh, why are you in a bad mood? And, and then it can continue outside. So it's mm. it's really important about surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals or trusted colleagues where you can have those positive conversations, but also those conversations at the end of the day. So when it's done at work, it's done. You can move on and transition into to that awesome life or that life you live outside of work. Isn't that phrase there, like-minded individuals, just such a key element to being able to develop those relationships in a faster capacity than what it would be to someone that you don't have those commonalities with? Alice, you've had a, a recent transition between schools, and I know you've got some history. You've gone back to a school that you were at a long time ago. In terms of building those relationships with like-minded individuals, like has that happened fairly quickly for you since it's a familiar environment? I think for um, ones that I had kind of maintained connection with or contact with between the two work experiences at this school, um, it came a little bit easier um, than for others that were new to the school and I hadn't kind of known previously. Um, and so that, that those kind of relationships have taken a little bit longer um, I guess, to form than ones that I had already previously made. But I think also um, because I have recently transitioned, staying connected with those like-minded peers and, and relationships that I built at previous schools, keeping in contact with them and still using those um, teachers outside of, of my current school to, to bounce off and to debrief with has also been a really important part of that transition process. So do you think you've you've formed a bit of a, a tribe, that circle of safety for you yet, or is that that's still in progress? At my current school? Yeah, where, like where you're currently at, yeah. Um, I think I have. I'm still working on it. It's a, it's a work, I guess it's always a work in progress. Um, and it's kind of forever evolving and, and bringing new people in the more that I get to know them as a person and um you know how they work in a professional kind of capacity um but i definitely think that that tribe is is building which is nice it's a nice feeling 
Now I'm thinking of all of our either graduate teachers, beginning teachers or teachers who identify as um, perhaps introverted are probably thinking that they struggle in that area, especially going to a new school. And if I think back on my first experiences, each time I went into a new school, I definitely don't identify as introverted. I'm much more extroverted and I'm quite happy to initiate a conversation. And I mentioned in our previous podcast that humor is something that I use with the kids. And it's the same thing I do with adults. And it's not because I'm trying to be a comedian. That's just my strategy, I guess, for building relationships with people. So those things probably happened faster for me to build those relationships than it may have for someone coming in who's a little bit shyer, who doesn't want to initiate those conversations and maybe um, doesn't have those strategies yet. I'm curious for you guys, did you, are you consciously aware of strategies that you have to foster positive relationships with staff? Um, I know one thing that I do do is I usually try and sit with people for lunch and I do try and do the touch base thing in the afternoon with different teams. So I might go to James first on this one. Do you have anything particular that you know that you've done to build relationships with, with other staff? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's an important thing when we're establishing um, relationships, if we're going to a new workplace or, or where, wherever it may be, the important thing that I do is listen. Um, I think it's really important when you're going into a new workplace or if it's re-establishing relationships or whatever, that the important thing is to listen, to get an understanding of you know, the person, and this might sound funny, but looking at characteristics of the person, I am a fan of football, is, is the person wearing a West Tigers hat? Is the person... I guess I'm just trying to say I build an understanding of the people that I'm working with by listening, by genuinely showing care, which I do with all the colleagues that I'm luckily enough to work with. So listening, showing a genuine care and how do you show care? It's again, taking time to go build that connection at after school, at recess, going and touching base, going to see if they need, you know, any support in a way. So listening, showing a genuine care and just being a, a team player by having regular, I guess, check-in times, but also, like you said, Beck, going into the staff room, eating lunch, having positive conversations. So I guess listening, showing care, making time to, to check in with those colleagues. I, I think they're some of the key strategies that I use when I'm trying to establish positive relationships. I can vouch for that too, because even though James, we've known each other for a few years now, when we get together, like for these um, chats that we're having for the podcast to record, you still do those follow-up questions. Like that's a genuine interest that I can see you have. I don't think it's a tokenistic, oh, I met someone new, I'm therefore must yeah. Them. It feels really natural when you do that. And it is so lovely on the, the other end of that conversation. Like even you don't have kids, but you ask about, you know, what's going on with my kids or what's going on with different things. And um, that I think obviously that definitely makes me um, more amicable to, you know, the conversation and what's going on. And I definitely feel very heard and valued in that conversation. So I can imagine the people working with you that would have that on a daily basis. Yeah. Thanks, Beck. I think that's one of the most important thing is if we all think about, you know, us as a collective and our listeners right now, if you think about a relationship where you feel valued, think about how much more motivated you are with working within that setting, whether it's within your team or whether, you know, you're senior leaders within the school. If you've got that relationship where you feel valued and empowered, think about what you want to do as a team because you know you've got that support there for, for one another. So I think like you said, Beck, summarising that, it's important that they're genuine relationships and it's not seen as tokenistic because mm. 
that what's the purpose of that there's no purpose it's it's really you know important for genuine relationships Absolutely. Now, Aaron, I know your socks are not just conversation starters. Even though you wear crazy socks every day, I'm sure it helps the conversation and generate generate some interest. But I'm sure you've got some other tools in your belt for building positive relationships with staff. Yeah, I I was going to say everything that you guys have said so far, particularly echoing what James was saying about taking an interest in in the lives of the people that we work with and. And asking them, you know, if you know that they play a sport on the weekend, you know, we've got quite a few staff members who play sport. How was your soccer game on the weekend? Or, hey, I saw, you know, you had a win on the weekend. Or, you know, oh, you said this was happening. Like having that follow-up and making them feel that you did listen. You were were actually interested. You were caring and you still want to know what's going on. And I'll just add in exactly what I said last week about building relationships with students is it's a two-way street. Mm. We actually need to be open in sharing who we are and ourselves and what, you know, what we're passionate about and what we enjoy and what's going on in our lives. If we want people to, to do the same and let us into their world, we have to be willing to um, reciprocate that, you know, and I think it's really important that people know that you are a person too, and that there is more to you than just teaching and your classroom and you, you're willing to have that, you know, build that mutual trust, that mutual respect, because that's what quality relationships are all about, that reciprocal um, respect and trust for one another. And I think, you know, it's important that we engage in that as well and sharing who we are. Authentic, so key. So pertinent too, because today I had a conversation with a teacher uh, who has children as well, who we, we were talking about a time when I had gone in as a parent and ended up crying in a parent-teacher meeting, you know, trying to, you know, just discuss whatever my, you know, was going on with for my child and this teacher had a child and that had happened as well. And they said, oh, I feel better knowing that you've done that as well of course there are kids when it's you know where the mother bears when it comes to that we're not the teacher when it comes to that it's perfectly normal they they must have felt so alone in that scenario just to hear that someone else has done that too and just that reciprocity around yeah we're, we're human and we cry mm. and sometimes we do yeah. it when we don't want to yeah sharing that openly and honestly even if it's a bit embarrassing yeah <laughs> and and sometimes, like you're saying, Beck, it's up to us to make the first move. You know, if we want people to be vulnerable, um, you know, as colleagues and share, you know, the things that that are a bit deeper, we actually need to be willing to put ourselves out there. And sometimes people go, oh, you know, Aaron shared this thing that he's, you know, struggling with or going through and it makes them feel more comfortable to share what they're struggling with or when they stuff up or when they don't get things right because there sometimes can be this, you know, um, feeling in the stuff and that you have to, you know, you can't say anything's bad. You got to pretend like you've got it all together. And, you know, I remember as particularly as a first, you know, early career teacher, that was my thinking. I just had to be perfect. I had to be the best teacher. I couldn't, you know, talk about things not going right. So, you know, it's important that we kind of break it, break that down, particularly like you were saying, you know, back for people who maybe are more introverted or are new to teaching, making them feel like this is a safe place. And I think all of us, no matter our position, it's irrelevant of that. We all create that collaborative culture, I guess, of safety and security and, and allowing people to feel like they can be themselves. 
Now, Alice, you're going to get absolute transparency where you are because you're in a, a very tight-knit community, a smaller setting there where you would be seeing the people that you work with, I imagine, after school on the weekend in more casual scenarios. So that would be quite different for you to build that authenticity and transparency with those relationships. I mean, is there something that you do differently or similar to us in terms of building those relationships? I think for me, one of the things that I make sure that I do is that I'm at, you know, break times, if I'm not on duty, I'm in the staff room, you know, just engaging with the conversations with staff around whatever it is that's, you know, whatever it is that we're, in, we're talking about, whether it's, you know, the, the Batlow Cider Fest on the weekend or, um, <laughs> you know, just things happening with our kids or, you know, if we're, we've got many staff that play sport, although a few of them are out injured at the moment. So, you know, talking, talking around sport or we're all, um, our whole staff engage in a, um, the online footy tipping competition. So yeah. we've always got, you know, Monday, Monday morning, we come in and, you know, this week it was uh, bagging on one of our teachers because the Eels lost, you know, he's an avid Eels supporter. <laughs> so, you know, really um, making the time to be visible, to be present and to be listening. As you said, James, is really important in the staff room. And then, you know, often after school, there's little congregations of, of people just having a chat about, you know, what's coming up for them or having that debrief sessions and making sure that, you know, you jump in and, and you listen and you provide support when it's needed. And, and then surprisingly, the town is, it's, you know, it's about 6,000 people, but the, the area that we live in is, is quite vast and there's lots to do. Um, so don't often see many any of the staff out and about on a weekend, we're all doing lots of different things. Most of us um, have kids who are off. Lots of us are off to Wagga for sporting, sporting <laughs> things or, or different places around the Riverina region, taking the, taking the kids to sporting stuff. So that's always a, a talking point come the next week around how the kids have gone and where we travelled to and, and all that kind of stuff. But so different to my country experience when I was country it was 1,000 one 1,000 people in the whole town so the only thing to do was to run into people next door to the deputy principal who was married to the librarian over the road was the art teacher who was house sharing with one of the primary teachers the kids all lived in the same street so if you wanted to go to there was only one footy game in town and it was all the local <laughs> kids which was great but it meant that you know the, the kids were everywhere the parents worked in the town there was there was no I don't want to say escaping it but you know the, the very different relationships built that way um, when you see each other nonstop that way and, and when you're literally living next door, like mm. there was no nudie Tuesday because you live right next door to <laughs> your, your senior executive, that's for sure. Um, so I guess moving past that though, because we're talking about a lot of the positive aspects that come from that when you're able to form those relationships is what happens when you can't. So even if you are taking such a positive, proactive approach and you're still not getting that response back that's when it can lend to difficult scenarios and possibly not having that quality professional relationship that, that you want to have because those other aspects um, aren't quite as solid as you'd like them to be and this is something that's been quite relevant for me 
recently going through professional learning on emotional intelligence and um, I've got it in front of me it's a it was a graph that they brought up and we had to plot ourselves in it in particular ways and the category that I fell into is called dominance I'm sure that's not surprising (laughs) not at all (laughs) but um it's even bright red on the chart that's in there but there's lots of um positive things that come out of it it's more about uh, that awareness of self and awareness of others so it's not about me necessarily being a dominant controlling person it's just about the attributes within me um, that talk about how I respond to things and obviously being quite dominant means that I might respond quite defensively if um, people disagree with me. So I'm trying to learn different ways to respond to that. However, if someone is not self-aware of those things and those responses, that's when it can be misinterpreted as bullying, as being passive aggressive uh, and, you know, a whole barrage of things that then obviously lead to those complicated relationships in the workplace. So we want to then move into a conversation around, you know, how do we move past these things in the workplace? Um, How can we get through those barriers or how can we at least manage those conversations in a way where we can move forward and develop those proactive and collaborative relationships in the workplace? Um, For me, I'm going to jump straight to passive aggressive I don't do it. I don't, I don't let people get away with that. And I am, I am in an authority position technically where I can do that. However, I reflect back to my early years as a beginning teacher, I still didn't take it then. And I made that very, very clear that if someone was going to be passive aggressive with me, I was going to be quite literal in response to that. Um, and this is where, again, those teachers who might be more shy, I know there's that common phrase out there that temps are too scared to speak up. I was a temp for seven years. Um, and this was more about those relationships and being honest and authentic. So if someone took that passive aggressive tone with me, um, I wouldn't get angry back about it. Um, well, not that I thought of at the time. I would just <laughs> say, well, why are you asking me that? Like, just be clear about it. And, and we don't have to be rude when we're speaking to our colleagues. We can just be very clear about those things because from an executive perspective, the passive aggressive becomes a, a snowball avalanche to much bigger issues. Um, so for me, quite literally just asking, what do you mean by that? Why are you asking me that? That's the type of thing that I would respond with. And I've seen other early career teachers employ those strategies too. And once people realize that that will be your response, they don't do it anymore. Um, I'm sure there's people out there going, yeah, yeah, they still do it. They might. There's probably people out there that do that. And that's when I would suggest going down the path of talking to your supervisor and asking for mentoring meetings or going with code of conduct. Um, what, what would you guys um, suggest to anyone if they're dealing with someone who's maybe going down that passive aggressive path in terms of um, their team relationships or, or collegial relationships across the school? Um, I might go to, to James first on that one. Have you had any issues with passive aggressiveness? Yeah, I've got, like over, over my career, I've definitely been in positions where um, I've been engaged within a passive aggressive conversation. And I think the important thing is, like you said, Beck, if, if I'm going to come passive aggressive to you, you've then got two people. What's that going to achieve? It's going to achieve nothing. Mm. It's like you said, Beck, if someone's coming, obviously they, they've got a reason why they're passive aggressive. And, and it's providing that question, like you said, I can see you're upset about X, Y, and Z, you know, 
why are you, like you could obviously not why you're upset it's about getting an understanding about why you're upset trying to defuse the situation as much as it is and if it's a conversation that needs to continue you can talk about rescheduling it for another time or let the person know I'm feeling really uncomfortable back the way that you're talking to me right now it can we please finish this or you know like I know that people might think that again, oh, I don't feel comfortable to do that. But if you don't let the other person know how you're feeling or asking that clarifying question, um, we're, we're going to walk away from it um, either upset, we're ever going to walk to our colleague's door next door, can't believe Beck just came at me like this. We then start <laughs> this rumour, that person then goes next door and says it like that. Whereas if I just say to you, Beck, you're making me feel uncomfortable the way that you're talking to me you might then self-reflect and either go, oh, sorry, I didn't mean it like that. Or you might go "Yeah," and get even more angry. If you get more angry, I'll document it down. I'll go to my AP or if I don't go to my AP, I'll go to my boss. So it's about de-escalating the situation, letting the person know how they're making you feeling and and, and going from there because it, it's really interesting when, when you're in that situation. We don't want to be in it, but it's life regarding an education, business, whatever. We're going to be faced in those situations. Keep calm, keep cool, let them know how you're feeling, defuse, move on. Absolutely. And I think that is the point sometimes as well, when you suddenly realize all of those misperceptions that we have, as soon as you say, I get the feeling that you are angry at the moment, or I'm feeling angry at you talking about, like talking to me like this, all of a sudden someone will go, oh, not my intention. Sorry, sorry. I didn't intend Mm. to do that. It's like hit it, nail on the head. Yeah, be specific. That's right. Yeah. Really be specific. And it's okay to say, I feel upset by this, or I feel uncomfortable with this because that snaps everyone into gear to go, Oh, hang on a second. This isn't the way we wanted this to go. I I don't know anyone that intentionally wants to make you angry, make you upset or do those things. Um, That, that kind of behavior from teachers (laughs) in, in my experience, at least is quite rare. I'm sure people have it, but again, as long as you're very clear and explicit about it too, then if it does become something further, you can say to your supervisor, to your boss, I very clearly said I was uncomfortable. Yep. I very clearly said mm. I was upset with how that was going. Document so- it, write it down like you're saying, Beck. Document yep. that, then hand it on. But often half the time is they've just had a rough middle session and they don't even realise that they're sounding passive aggressive. Like, oh, no, sorry, I've just been having a rough day. Yeah, and it's that time it. for that teacher to then self-reflect. But sometimes 100% it is bigger than, and, than what we're saying here. You document it, you pass it on. Absolutely. How about you, Aaron? Have you had any instances with um, passive aggressiveness that you've got strategies for? Yeah, you know, absolutely everything you guys have said. One of my go-to questions always is, is everything okay? You know, are yes. you, is there something going on? Like, and if they go, well, why? Just say, oh, you know, just seems like there's something, there's something else going on. You know, we talked about it in last episode, you know, it's the same, like behavior is always a symptom of something. And if someone like James just said, if coming across passive aggressive, it could just be that there, there's something else going on. Mm. And they might open up about, oh, there's a situation in their personal life. That's obviously just having an, an impact on their relationship. But first of all, using it as a point of going, are you okay? Like, mm. is there, is there anything going on behind this that could lead to, you know, yes. Or it could be, this is like the straw that broke the camel's back that there have been all these other things that they haven't talked about that if, you know, we create a place where people feel safe and they feel like they can talk about those little things. Um, it's important, but in saying that, you know, we've talked a lot about culture and things, and I think it's important for us to protect culture. And there are sometimes moments where we say, you know what, this isn't really the time or the place or, you know, if it's in a public forum, you know, we're not really going to talk like that 
here in this setting. Let's have a follow-up conversation later or something like that. Because like we're saying, then it can snowball into other things. It can lead to a group dynamic where then everybody else jumps on board and then starts mm. venting their frustrations and things like that. So it's important that, you know, we we create places where people feel um, that there's that safety in um, they can be honest, but I guess sharing that and doing that in the most productive and effective way, but realizing that when people do have, you know, those perhaps, you know, passive aggressive attitude or things like it can be completely something totally unrelated to what they're telling you is bothering them. It could actually be something else. So using it as a check-in opportunity, I think, um, I know I've at times, you know, said, listen, we're not going to talk about that now. And then afterwards followed up privately, you know, are you okay? You know, that, that comment came out as if, you know, like you said, came across a bit rude and it might be a situation. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. Or, you know, they go, well, you know, actually here's this thing going on. Mm. And it's funny too, because I know listening to us talk, it probably sounds very executive level, the things that we're talking about, but this is even teacher to teacher. If you notice your teacher neighbor is speaking in a way that's not, you know, their normal way of speaking, you are well within that, you know, relationship scope there as part of your team to be able to go, are you okay? Is like, is there everything okay? Is there anything I can help with? Do you want to go talk to someone, you know, offering Mm. for them to go talk to the supervisor or to you or to be that debrief and and be able to say those things? We want, we want as executives, teachers to feel empowered, to be honest and open, obviously in a professional capacity. How about you, Alice, anything um, that you've dealt with in terms of passive aggressiveness and staff? Um, I I think I agree with what, you know, James and Aaron have, have already said. And I think that's where, um, you know, taking the time to to listen to staff and build those relationships with them, you know, you're able to recognise easier when things aren't right and when, you know, those those incidents where those, you know, that passive-aggressive or, you know, something happens and it's like, well, that's, that's out of character, that's not the way that you would normally speak to me or to another member of staff, you know, so, you know those red flags where you go oh yeah. something something's not right and and you either in that moment as you said Aaron say you know are you okay is there something something going on that you know that comment wasn't kind of normal or um you know the way that we would normally engage or you know being yeah. attuned to what is happening around you in terms of of what staff are doing or your team are doing um Because then that delves into the more uh, prevalent or I should say in your face, which is openly people openly bullying. And I'm probably maybe a rare occurrence. I don't know. I cannot think in my 18 years of a time that I saw actual bullying in the workplace. I've been in workplaces where I've heard of it happening and other people saying things. I've never, ever witnessed it myself. So when I give advice on don't be a bystander, stand up and say something, advocate for your staff, go to federation, call EAPS, go to your principal. I say all these things quite in a checklist manner, almost tokenistically, because I don't know what it feels like to get up and do that. Um, Mm. And I don't know what it looks like to see it in practice. So I I don't know if you guys have got anything that you, um, obviously we can't say anything that's personal, but is there anything that you guys have had to stick up for or say or, or advise someone on what to do? I think uh, I'll go, Aaron. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no, you're right, Aaron. 
I was going to say the same as you, Beck. I haven't seen, I guess, bullying um, prevalent in a workplace. I've, I've definitely seen those situations where people have maybe had a disagreement or an argument and we can debrief after and go, you know, maybe we didn't handle that in the best way or what could we, you know, how can we work this through to come to a resolution? I've had, I guess, those kind of conflicts to, to help manage and deal with, but I haven't witnessed, you know, that ongoing bullying behaviour. But sometimes, you know, it's it's not obvious. You know, we see it in, in students that sometimes bullying isn't, isn't obvious and we have to look for symptoms. And it was kind of going off what Alice was just saying. It's important to, to know our team members, not just, you know, from a leadership perspective, but just from teacher to teacher and look for those changes in behaviour um, because maybe a person doesn't want to talk about it. You know, maybe they're isolating and not you don't see them in the staff room as much and using that as, a, as an opportunity to go, are you okay? You know, I haven't seen you much in the staff room or your behavior is a little bit different um, because sometimes we don't see bullying in that. Oh, Hey, that's bullying. I can see that. Mm. Um, we know in, in schools, it's, it's often silent with students and it and can, I guess, be the same with staff. I've never been in a situation where I've been, you know, exposed to bullying in the workplace, but just like we talk about with students looking out for those key things, I think it's important as staff, we look out for each other. We have each other's back and we we look for those signs as well. That could be something as obvious as a, a slight change in behaviour. And like Alice was saying, it's why it's important that we do know each other um, well and we have those quality relationships so we can pick up on those more subtle signs that something's not right. Because mm, we, we definitely know it, obviously it does happen. The People Matters survey had a much higher percentage than I was expecting of people witnessing or experiencing bullying in the workplace, which was really disheartening to think that adults can carry on like that at work. Um, James, you had something before. No, it was very similar to the points that Aaron was making that obviously being being aware of your staff and looking out for, for your colleagues because sometimes you mightn't be aware of what's going on until there's a breaking point. So it's important that you're looking for those signs earlier. But it, it's really important to, to remember if you're ever within that work environment that you, there might be bullying going on with another staff member. Again, depending upon your role, whether you, you're an experienced teacher, you're, you're new to the school, we don't stand for that. You don't need to take action by getting in the way and stopping it because that's making yourself vulnerable and you might be comfortable doing that. The important thing is to document what happened. Well, it was the 31st of the 5th, 2021. I saw Beck walk into Alice's room and this happened. And, and if you'd... Jeez, <laughs> I know this wouldn't happen, but again, again, <laughs> writing down key things, if you're comfortable, hopefully, with, with your boss, you take that to them and, and you pass that information on, you know, no action is an action. So it's really important to remember yeah. that because if, if you caught it early on, and then you passed it on, you could have stopped something. You, you could have really prevented something that was going to be ongoing. So I, I think a really key thing is that no action is an action. You don't have to take the action by putting yourself in the situation, but take the action of documenting it and passing it on to the appropriate person. Yeah. And I can, I can hear people either sitting in their cars or listening on their on their phones or something going, what if the principal's the bully? Yeah, and that, unfortunately, and the only advice I've got is my tokenistic federation, apes, document, all those things that you guys said. Um, and I guess passing that on back, even adding on, depending upon your relationship with your, your director um, in that time, again, I know we all have different relationships with our director, but 
after reporting it, you know, to EPAC or something, if you've got that relationship to reach out to that director as well, it, they're there to support as well. How about you, Alice? I also haven't had any personal experience of bullying in the workplace and haven't kind of seen it. Um, as Aaron said, it's often silent. Mm. Um, and I guess that's, that's again, where we're knowing the people that you work with is really important looking for those, those subtle changes and, and recognizing when something's not right, whether it's, you know, something that's happening in the workplace or something in their, in their personal life that's, that's changed. Just, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just um, building that openness and communication really more than anything. Yeah. Um, for me, because I, I felt like I've, I am quite a positive person and humorous, I, I've been able to develop um, relationships fairly well. It's been since doing this training in emotional intelligence that I've realized those other pockets of relationships that I haven't developed very well. And it's because they've gone into my too hard basket because they aren't my like-minded people because I don't have the same perspectives or um, even values as those people. And they're, they're the relationships that I'm trying to work on. And I wouldn't advocate for anyone who's, you know, new to being a teacher or who um, feels like they're really out of their element to, to delve deep into that stuff, focus on that tribe of people that you, that you trust and build a really good culture of trust with your team and with your supervisor, and then take baby steps into developing those other relationships. If you feel you're comfortable to do that. Um, like an onion Beck, those other yeah. ones. <laughs> That's so like slowly it. peel back the layers. Absolutely. And but you know the- what? Sometimes it does take time because it, like, yeah. I've been six years in my current school and it took about three, three years at least till it got to the point where I felt like, yeah, these people are my tribe. It didn't, didn't happen in those, those first few months that was there. It took uh, a long time to get to that point where I felt really solid and comfortable to step yes. out of my comfort zone that way too. And that's me saying I'm a really, you know, outgoing person and an extroverted person. It still took that long to do that. Um, part of that, that training that I've done was um, also reading Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And there's a lot of stuff in there about being vulnerable um, and, and being able to engage in those conversations in a way where, like James was saying, you've just got to be um, explicit and honest about how you feel and what's going on for you. Uh, part of it is even identifying within yourself, where does that response really stem from? Is that something from the experience that's right in front of your face? Or has that been a trigger from something that happened at a previous workplace that was a similar experience that brings back negative memories? Or mm. it's even delved right back into my childhood, some of these things that goes deep down into, you know, why you respond the way that you do. So um, I know I've said this before in our previous podcasts, but I highly recommend um training in emotional intelligence. Uh, we have a couple of listener questions though to, um, to get to. Um, our first one, so there's no names on these ones. These ones came through privately. Our first question is, have any of the hosts been at a school which has felt just not quite the place they belong? And I'm going to dive into this one first because I've none of the schools that I've ever been at have never felt like I didn't belong. However, there were pockets of time where I may have felt I didn't belong. And it could have been because that particular team that I was with that year was not 
my tribe. They weren't those like-minded people. It may have been that I just didn't click with my supervisor. It could have been a shift in school focus or school priorities at the time, or funnily enough, had nothing to do with the school and everything to do with what was going on in my personal life at the time. So it could have been the fact that I'd become a new mom and my perspectives or priorities, I should say, were completely different to what they had been the year before. And unfortunately, it, it meant that really work wasn't going to change that for me, no matter how much my supervisor was trying to build that relationship or positive culture with me, that necessarily wasn't going to change, which is why it's important that you ask the questions. Are you okay? Is everything okay with you? Is there something going on? Because then that opens up the conversation to me going, yeah, do you know what? I recognize that I've got something going on in my personal life that's impacting me at work and other people are noticing it because it's changing the way that I interact with others. And when you can have that perspective, I think that means that you can kind of um, either adapt what you're doing or acknowledge what you're doing or reprioritize and be able to get that shift a bit differently. Uh, I'm going to go to Alice first on this one. Did you ever just not belong, Alice? <laughs> um I haven't kind of had the experience where I didn't feel like I belonged, but I have, you know, at pocket, like you said, back pockets of time where I felt like, you know what, this isn't the right place for me right now <laughs> for various um, kind of reasons, whether it was, you know, there was a shift in, in culture or there was quite, you know, some, some negative ticket, neg- negativity, negativity (laughs) oh it's monday night (laughs) negativity kind of coming through and um you know that that feeling that oh you know this isn't quite the environment that i had hoped it would be or that i you know want to be in but taking the time to kind of sit back and go well what is it about this environment about this culture about this workplace that is making me have these feelings. What is it, um, you know, what's my contribution to the way that this environment is or the, or the way yeah. that I'm feeling about this environment? What, where are these kind of feelings, emotions stemming from? What's the, kind of the, the core or the why behind it? And then also looking at it as, as an opportunity. You know, if I'm not, if I'm finding that, you know, I'm feeling this space is negative or, you know, there's something occurring in this environment where I just don't feel like I fit anymore. What is, what is it that I can learn from that? What can I take from, from that experience around, well, you know, what are the positives in this environment? And then if, you know, what are, what are also the negatives and what can I learn from those is a way that I kind of look at those, at that kind of sphere of those pockets in time. It's almost mm. like trying to force the rose-coloured glasses on. Come on, let's find the positivity <laughs> as opposed to the opposite, which my husband calls talking yourself out. You know, you find those little bits of negativity and you're like, oh, I'm yeah. done, I'm out, you yeah. know, you find, and then you find every negative bit and then you... Mm. you and it's, and it's easy out. to capture and take take root with those and, and really go, no, nope, this space is negative, I'm out, I'm done, like, you know, I'm moving on. <laughs> but I think it's, you know... It's important to look for the positives as well. It's all about that mindset and and looking for, you know, what is it that I can learn from from what's currently going on in this environment? Where where's the opportunity for growth as opposed to just being the negative Nancy? 
important yeah. for any of our teachers coming up on their seven year mark as well. The seven year itch is real <laughs> people. Just be mindful of it. How about you, James? Did you ever just not belong somewhere? Oh, no, Beck. In your seven years. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. In right. your seven years. Your seven that, years. Oh, no. Itch he's, he's getting the itch. Well, the, I guess in those seven years, I've been fortunate to work in five different contexts or something like that for <laughs> a, a sustained time. But I think the important thing is when we talk about belonging, we're, we're talking a little bit about acceptance. Do, do we feel, you know, accepted where, where we're working at? And there's a lot of different variables that go into the acceptance. A lot is our perception of what's going on. Um, and again, the, there's going to be times that you're working within a setting that you're not going to enjoy coming into work. That's life. That there's mm-hmm. going to be periods of those times. And it mightn't be like we we're discussing that you don't have that sense of belonging there. There's that range of emotions that we go through, but it's also important to understand that there's many different individuals within that school that that make up that school through the teaching staff, the SAS staff and and everything like that. There is one thing that you all have in common and that is teaching. So it's about trying to find that um, connection that you can have with the group of people to, to, to build upon that. Because for our small school colleagues who might have two staff to our larger school staff who might have 60 or 70, it, it's really about trying to build those quality connections. And again, if we're talking about that sense of belonging um, over a long period of time of staying in a school, something that I'm a huge advocate for is about the importance of staff moving on within their career and taking up different opportunities within different contexts. Um, People might argue and say, you know, in my time I've done that too much, but I feel like I've learnt the most by going to a new context and building new relationships and getting that rejuvenated different understanding and a deeper understanding of education as a whole by going into that different school setting forming new relationships and forming that new sense of belonging. And and I'm not saying running away is the answer, but I'm saying to what you mentioned, Beck, people who have been in the same school for the same period of time. Well, to get that sense of belonging, I feel that sometimes going to that new school setting can, can assist for those people. I agree. And then I've got someone who will disagree with you at the same time. And it's really hard to have this um, as an argument with uh, one of the most amazing teachers I've ever seen, who is at my current school, who's been teaching for about 30 years at my current school, came out of teacher's college and started teaching there. However, that school is not the same school it was when she started teaching different leadership, different cultures, different tribes, different kids generations of different kids as well. So um, this teacher will tell you that her practice, pedagogy and strategies have changed over time. They are definitely not the same and she definitely stays upskilled as well because of those changes. However, I wonder if that teacher would have the same opinion if it had been like two principals in that time, you know, like yeah, I think cultures, that's it, instead of the multiples that this teacher has gone yeah. through. It's an interesting rebuttal and it's, I guess, another point of discussion I'd present to that teacher and I, I know she might or he might say <laughs> different, but the, the students, has the context of that school changed? So, and that's the harder part. It's still quite a low socioeconomic community. We've still got, you know, housing commission, emergency housing, that kind of thing. That, that part hasn't changed and this teacher still wants to go and see other schools in action. So that I think is that key element there, even if um, teachers themselves maybe aren't leaving their setting for whatever reason, because especially yeah. if you're in a rural or remote setting, you can't just pick up and leave. 
Uh, but if, if you have that opportunity to go and see other teachers and learn from other schools and see other things in practice, that, that to me is probably the core element of what we do and not just staying in your classroom doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not one one or the other. Like it, yeah, I'm it's just hard. subjective <laughs> to my my opinion. I I found in in my circumstance that that it's helped helped in that area. Oh yeah, and I definitely agree that seeing other schools and seeing other practices and being part of those different cultures, being immersed in it, really makes a difference there too. Aaron, did you ever just not quite belong? Yeah, you know there <laughs> have been times when I've you know felt like you know totally love this place this is where I want to be forever and then times when in the context hasn't changed but situations or circumstances have changed you know and there's been times when I haven't felt like you know I don't love it here I'm not happy um but I think like we've all touched on it it's being self-aware and understanding that perhaps it's a circumstance that we're going through right now. And like Alice was saying, how can I grow through this? Cause it will pass, you know, understanding that it's maybe it's just a time thing or relationships have changed. You know, you've had the, the times when, you know, people I was really close with, they've moved on in their career, they've got a permanent job or something and you lose that tribe and you have to start again. Um, so it's important to, I guess, be self-aware and, and I guess, proactive. And what can I do? Sometimes, you know, there can just be a negative you know, a negative mindset or a negative culture that we have to deal with. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes that I always try to remind myself is don't adapt to the energy in the room, influence it. And sometimes it's about making that positive choice of, yep, I don't like, you know, the, the attitude at the moment, I'm going to try and actively change that. Um, realizing that we can actually proactively make a difference to our circumstance. Um, but, you know, being self-aware and going, what is it that is actually the cause or the root of the thing and what can I do about that and how can I contribute to making that and sometimes it's just writing it out you know it is just a season and it will pass and like you said Beck it's got nothing to do with work but it's personal situations or circumstances how I'm feeling about something um and you know just having those people that you can lean on and go through but also encouraging you know I guess people to to have a life outside of teaching because sometimes it can be consuming and we feel like there's nothing else so it's important to take care of our well-being in other areas so that you know we are yep work might be hard but in the other areas of my life my other relationships the other aspects of my life I'm you know I'm getting you know refueled and energized and things like that because there are times when yeah it's just draining that's it work-life satisfaction is our key you got it and back to work-life satisfaction Okay. Uh, I think we'll uh, wrap up tonight with some key takeaways. And one thing is I'm just going to force a takeaway on the audience today. I want you all to just look into emotional intelligence, also known as um, emotional literacy. Uh, Even if you're just YouTubing it, Googling it, have a look at it, open yourself to that idea. And if you find good quality PL, my PL is run through Genos International. This is not a paid promotion, everyone. That's just my wonderful experience (laughs) with them. It's it's really opened my eyes into um, how I can uh, develop that awareness of self and awareness of others. Uh, James, you have a book recommendation and I'd also like your key takeaway, please. Yes. So I I guess... Copyright James Gray 2021 May 31st is the three I model is my takeaway here. It's invest in any relationship from student, parent, teacher. You need to invest in the relationship. It's not just going to come. It's not going to happen overnight. It, you need to invest in the relationship. The next I is interest. You need to show a genuine interest. So yes, I'm investing the time, but I'm showing an interest 
in that relationship as well. And, and then after we've invested, we've got the relationship going, we've, in, we've shown our interest to, to keep it and maintaining. We then need to be, I guess the third eye is intent, that we have an intent to maintain that relationship. So invest, interest and intent. And my book recommendation was uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. And, and that the text, the key takeaways I took from that text was the importance of grit, resilience and mindset when we're a focus on relationships, that relationships are not easy. And something I took away from that book was about the mindset of grit and resilience when faced in different situations. Alice, what's your key takeaway for tonight? I quite like Aaron's quote he just shared with us before about, <coughs> excuse me, the, um, you know, not adapting to the to the energy in, a, in an environment, but being able to influence. I quite quite was moved by that one Aaron <laughs> number 253 okay. of things we are stealing from our podcast <laughs> Aaron how about you yeah ditto to everything that everyone has said <laughs> I think though uh one thing that I've learned is the re- the quality of the relationships I want it starts with me like James was saying I have to invest that and if I want quality relationships and I want to see relationships change I'm going to take charge and I'm going to be the one to model the kind of relationships that I want to see. And sometimes, you know, it needs to be me stepping out and sharing first. It needs to be me stepping out and engaging with the, how are you doing? What can I do to support you? Because if I want those relationships, sometimes people are, they've had a bad experience and they're going to be closed off. So it's about us being proactive in setting up the relationships that we, that we want to see creating those safe places amongst our staff. And not just leader to your team, but just teacher to teacher, classroom next door, looking out for that person on either side of you. And if all else fails in your own school, we're all colleagues across systems, across networks, across countries. We are all teachers. We're all educators and we're here to support one another, which is essentially why we do the things that we do. Um, Alice has got um, Thinking Pathways, Aaron has got his Mr. J platforms, Uh, I've got Talk and Chalk, James shares a wealth of knowledge on Twitter as well, if you message any one of us, we are all going to respond and there are hundreds if not thousands of other teachers across Australia and the world that would also do the same. So if you are struggling in your own school, absolutely reach out on one of those platforms and you can also find us the Teacher Takeaway podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our various playlists. Um, Keep in touch with us for our posts. Check in when we've got our question shout outs. If you want to send us a question or a suggestion for a topic, you can do that via PM as well on any of those platforms. We are always open to hearing from you guys directly. So for tonight, we're going to wrap up now episode three, part two of the Teacher Takeaway podcast. And hopefully we've helped you take away some answers to how do we establish, maintain positive, proactive and collaborative relationships with our colleagues. I am going to say thank you to Aaron. Thanks. Thank you, Alice. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, James. Thank you. And thank you from me. I'm Beck, and we are your hosts for this evening. Have a great one, guys.